Welcome to Tea, Toast, and Theology. So, today we have this uh, very interesting story, which I, I, you know, I have never really thought about, that uh, there was a time when uh, the Israelites came into the promised land, and then they went back into slavery right in the promised land. Did you notice that? It was in today's reading, right? And then they had to fight back out of it. And that resonates with what the young man last Saturday said. Uh, and it has really, uh, you know, stuck with me because there was so much wisdom. He came to our Saturday evening, uh, young African-American guy, and, uh, and he said that... Uh, we were talking about Joshua in that story. And he said that, you know, Joshua was from the next generation. Moses was from the old generation. The people who entered the promised land were the people who were from the next generation. The people who left slavery were the generation before them. And you know the difference the ones who left slavery, just within days they had reached the promised land, but they didn't feel worthy of it. They just didn't feel worthy of it, right? Whereas when the next generation who knew nothing of slavery, when they arrived at the promised land, they had no nothing holding them back from claiming the promised land. They believed. They were freed. They believed in, in the promise. They believed that they had the capacity to imagine something really beautiful, which unfortunately the generation before them just could not. Right? And, uh, <clears throat> and I think it's so true. Sometimes when, when we are captivated by something, we lose our imagination for something even more beautiful and more blessed, right? We become sort of slaves to it, right? And it goes, it, you know, maybe the word language of slave is a little too much, maybe, right? But if you think about it, we become uh, captivated by our own habits, don't we? Right? And we like it. You don't want it to be changed, right? It's it's our habit. We get up at a certain time. We go take a number of steps to go to the coffee machine, right? <laughs> and and if anything is out of that sequence, we go, right? It irks us, right? And the possibility of an imagination um, is lost, right? So, so here we have, uh, by the way, a woman leader who's saying, let's reclaim our imagination, right? Let's go and do it again. And she gets everybody together and they go and do it, right? And then we have uh, Paul writing to his people, in Thessalonians, uh, to the congregation of Thessalonica, 
and is saying, encourage one another. Encourage one another. Build one another up. Because, you know, we all need encouragement. We all need encouragement. Sometimes we need the encouragement to break whatever habit we have gotten ourselves into. Right? We need the encouragement to get out of whatever we are into and get into a space which is better for us. And it is hard. Trust me. I mean, we moved this last week and trust me, it's really hard <laughs> to move. It's really, really hard to go into a new environment. Right? Because, but then there is great joy in imagining, oh, we could put this there, we could do this, we could do that, right? There is great joy in, in a new thing. And yet there is that sense of loss of what we had become captive to, right? Now here's the thing. This master, we had absolutely wonderful discussion, a discussion I was not planning to have last night. Uh, but again, another thing about Saturday night, uh, no matter how many people show up, there is always one person at least who is new to the evening, right? And there was that one person last night too. And someone at our table said, oh, so are we going to do the, uh, the Bible thing that you do? And I said, oh, you want me to do it? And she said, yes, because I was also tired and I felt like everybody is anticipating their Thanksgiving plans, <laughs> not looking forward to be with the crowd and spend too much time right now, saving all the energy for that time. So maybe we just had have food, and food, by the way, was excellent last night. Um, we just have food, and uh, after we have had some worship music, and then we just say prayer, and, and that's it. But no, people wanted to have this, this Bible exchange. And we started talking, and we got into a really, really fun conversation. Some of the points that were raised here were about uh, what, what, was the relationship between the master and the slaves. Because maybe the relationship with the third slave, the one talent one, wasn't very good to begin with. Right? And that would be logical because he only got one talent. <laughs> right? If the relationship was better, maybe he would have received five talents. Or maybe the master knew him really well. Knew him really well and knew others as well really well. And then, and then there was another interesting point that when, when the slave says to the master, you know, I knew you were harsh. You, you sow where you do not, uh, uh, you reap where you do not sow, right? Uh, I knew you were harsh, so this is what I did. Um, and the observation was that the master didn't do a rebuttal. Like, what? What are you saying to me? Right? He doesn't do that rebuttal. Right? And, and then we know what, uh, how that story flows, that five got five more, two got two more, and one, well, is thrown into outer darkness. Right? That is harsh. <laughs> so, so the slave was right. <laughs> 
right? <laughs> that is harsh. Slave was right, right? And where is the reward in it? Because that's what I was looking for. I was looking for, okay, what is the reward in here? What do you all think? What was the reward in here? I know you have heard this before, but what is the reward in this story? There are, there are lots of things in this story that are missing. Right? Like the story just glosses over. It just leaves... Uh, to our imagination to think about, oh, did this happen? Like the relationship thing. Was there a relationship or lack of relationship? But what is it that we can think of as a reward in this story? <laughs> Any ideas? Right, 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 right. Absolutely, absolutely. More responsibility is a reward. <laughs> More responsibility is a reward, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. God never gives you more than what you can handle. <laughs> right, right, right. Right. So so I was looking for the reward. And here's the interesting thing. Uh did and this is a question, did did uh, did the master get his talents back? This is that one thing in that story which is not actually very clear. Yeah? Because the slaves say, here they are. You gave us five, here are ten. Right? That's what the slaves say. It doesn't say if the master actually took those ten for himself. You know why? what it does say? It says, take the one and give it to the one with ten talents. With the implication that he didn't take those ten talents from the slave. Right? He said, take that one and give it to the one with ten. It doesn't say, give it to the one who earned me ten. Right? He says, give it to the one with ten. Right? But the, for me, the reward is when the master says, enter into my joy. Enter into my joy. Which means, basically, it's not about five talents or ten talents or two talents or four talents. It is about enter into my joy. Meaning, enter into all that makes me happy. Everything. Not just ten and four. And if it is true that the one who made ten got to keep ten, then there is a lot of reward in it. <laughs> right? Not only, you know, monetary reward, 
but the reward of being one with the master. Now, here's what I said last night. Uh, oftentimes in Christian faith, we default to the idea of relationship, right? We emphasize so much on, oh, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, right? No matter how uh, we look at it, whichever tradition you're coming from, we kind of default in that direction, right? But here, the question is different. The whole story is not about relationship. In fact, the fact that the master does not respond to the slaves saying, oh, you are a harsh person, and he doesn't say, what? What do you mean by that? Right? He doesn't say that because he doesn't want to go into the conversation about relationship. He's not interested in the conversation about relationship. What he's interested in is something very interesting. This whole story is not about the master. This whole story is not about the relationship between the master and the slave. This story is like the story which appeared before it and we heard it last time. Right? That story was you. If you were the bridesmaid, right? If you are the slave, what are you going to do? What is your action going to be? Regardless of when the master or the bridegroom arrives. <laughs> because this story doesn't tell us after how many years the, uh, the master came back. It just says after a long time, <laughs> right? Not after seven years, not after whatever. It just says after a long time he came. It's not about that relationship and it's not about the master. It's about what would you do? And it is about action, my friends. At the 10 o'clock service, Dennis was right last week that in that tradition, oil in the lamp was also used as an expression for your good deeds. Did you have enough good deeds? Right? Did you have enough good deeds? My friends, it was not about just... I'm sorry, but it wasn't about just stay awake. That's like showing up is more than half of the work, right? If that's low, that's how low our expectation is, then good luck. <laughs> because it seems that's how low our expectation is. But our, the expectation is from us, like how, what are you going to do? Which heights are you going to achieve? And this story makes it very clear. The one who is willing to go and achieve the highest level is the one who's going to be given even more. So just showing up and just staying awake is like is like the one with the white one talent. <laughs> right? That is how it is. Because if you think about it, the one with the white one talent What's fair? He said, you gave this to me, I give it back to you. Fair, fair deal. Right? 
you gave me one talent, take one talent. I'm not stealing anything from you. You gave me one, you take one. But my friends, that is not what Jesus expects from us. And my last point today is, Jesus was never interested in crowds. He was never interested in becoming an influencer with uh, millions of people following him on his social media. That was not what Jesus was all about. In fact, he made conscious decision more than once. The scripture says he would leave the crowd and go spend time with his close inner group. He was not interested in big crowds. What was he interested in? He was interested in developing disciples. And you know what he said about the disciples and to the disciples? That you, my friends, are going to do things that are even greater than what I have done. Just think about it. That's Jesus saying it to you. Just think about it. That's Jesus saying it to you. You know what that means? That means that Jesus expects a lot more than what even he was able to achieve. That is, that is his expectation from us, not just to stay awake. That is his expectation from us, that we will achieve a lot more than even what he did. My question to the church today is, and when I say the church, not this congregation alone, are, how are we doing living up to that expectation? Because here's the thing. The multiplication of the kingdom is not about how many churches we can build. Because that is very, very tempting. You know, when missionaries go out, even today, they think about, oh, how many, how many churches can I build in Nigeria? Well, it's not about building churches, my friends. It's about how much of the kingdom values can we bring into the world? How much of living like Christ can we actually bring into this world? And I close this today by sharing this that I did last night. A few weeks back, uh, a woman uh, we learned needed a place to stay. And it was Wednesday, and I called our senior warden, and I said, Pat, you're going to the prayer group. Can you please share with, because some of the people who come to the prayer group are Westry people, right? And uh, I said, <laughs> can you share it at the, at the prayer group? And uh, I feel we have this whole building, I was referring to the Beardsley House, that we don't use. And I think maybe it would be a good use to let her stay there for the you know, night. And, um, and what do you guys think about it? And put it in prayer, I said. And then let me know after you have done the prayers, what, what do you guys think? But I feel we should do something, and my solution is that. Uh, the backstory to that was that, uh, according to what we had been told, <coughs> she could not stay in someone's home because, uh, you know, we would have opened our own doors. But she couldn't, she, she, in order for her to 
to to get the system to help her she had to be out on the street not in someone's home so i said technically beardsley house is still out on the street right right it's not some anyone's home so she's she would be in a public place so so but at least she would be protected and not like being on the streets in new haven as she was being told uh so uh pat you know must have shaded prayed about it and then she uh, uh communicated to me that we don't think that she should be in beardsley house and she said the reason is because we don't think that she would be comfortable there because no one is living there we don't know if the bathroom actually works or not right and we don't know how comfortable that space is there is really nothing there so she said we think that this lady should stay right here in the prayer room it's nice it's comfortable there are couches here and we know everything here works including the heat and i have to tell you uh the expectation i had if if she had come back and said yes she can stay at the beardsley house i would have been just overjoyed because you know i have been in ministry for uh <clears throat> for 26 or 27 years now okay and i like to say that uh i have known church from my mother's womb right uh <clears throat> that's how long that's you know so i say uh that um i'm uh, 52 years old and i know the church for the last 53 years <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> that's how long i know the church right and for people in the church to just come out and say oh yeah let's open it up for a homeless person uh, doesn't always happen that way right so i would have been overjoyed if she just came back and said yes right but she went further and and others who were there they went further in saying that no we're not only going to open our door we're going to make sure she's comfortable protected and cared for those are the kingdom values right and i was like wow now all of my joy almost like you know turned into tears of joy because i was this is good ministry right here this is raising disciples of christ we're not a big crowd as you may have imagined like look around we're not a good we're not a big crowd but we are striving to be the disciples of christ and here's what it means that our mission is the mission of god which is not to build and maintain buildings my friends or to run programs or to see how well an institution does because if that's what we are about then i think we are just trying to sustain that one talent so that we can give 
got back that one talent and say, Here's a, here it is. What we are about is multiplying the kingdom. And the kingdom is multiplied each time people who are in need find a community that lifts them up, encourage one another. And that one another is not only the people who you know, but one another is much bigger than that because that is how multiplication happens. So I give thanks to God for the community of disciples being raised here. That is my deepest gratitude. And I know for sure that as we do that, more responsibility will be given to us. And I pray that we will be ready for it. Amen. <clears throat>